This program is brought to you by The Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. There's a challenge I have for you this morning, okay? This is a challenge. This is, a, this is not just a, you know, hey, here's a good message in here. Yeah, I helped you understand a few verses in Scripture. But I want to challenge you to something. Living Church, I want to challenge you to something, okay? Because we're living in a time where we need to be challenged a little bit, all right? We need to be we've stirred, moved a little bit, you know, like stepped on a little bit. And it's like, we got to be challenged a little bit. So this is the challenge I have for you this morning. You're listening? Very good. You are called to shine. You're called to shine in a dark, twisted, crooked world. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, you're called to shine in a crooked and wicked world. And I get this from Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, that you may be blameless, innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Last week, quite a number of you came up over here and made that beautiful open confession. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It wasn't just people over here, by the way. There were people at home who were making that confession on our, on our live post. And there were people texting in friends who were sitting away saying, I'm watching and I'm making the confession that I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. How beautiful is that, huh? It's amazing. Now, when you make that confession, there's a lifestyle that we've got to live in. And the lifestyle you live in is not you know, a lifestyle that, that, that takes from the world and acts like the world and behaves like the world, but we go back into a twisted, crooked, dark world and we shine. Uh, the question then is, how do we get our shine on, right? How do we shine? Um, I want you to know that when you confess Jesus as your Savior, when you made that confession, deposited in you through the Holy Spirit was a wealth of resources to walk you through this new life that you've said yes to. When you said yes to Jesus, maybe it was like, you know, 30 years ago, 80 years ago. By the way, if that happened, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm glad that God kept you here on this earth so that you can still experience the joy of your salvation. When you said yes to Jesus, there was something supernatural that happened in your life. And God deposited in you these beautiful, beautiful resources for you to be able to to take and to apply and to walk in in this new life as you go into a twisted, crooked, dark world. Paul, he challenges the Philippian church to live up to this confession. Um, like I said, we're going to be from verse 12 to 18. And um, I'm going to preach a little differently this morning. Uh, the introduction is going to be the message, and then the points are going to be our application. Deal? Okay, so the introduction is going to be pretty long, but that's going to be the message, okay? That's going to be the, you know, the actual you know, teaching part of it, and then we're going to go into the, the, I have five points, we'll go through it real quick, and that's going to be application, and I think it's going to be fantastic, and I think you're going to be challenged, I believe you will be challenged, so salvation, how many of you guys are saved? Like confident, I am saved, blood, but amen, thank you Jesus, thank you Lord, so when you saved, what happened was, it not only, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't help, by the way, you didn't do it in your flesh, the Holy Spirit had to help you to be saved, so if you ever made that confession, I confess Jesus my Lord and Savior. If you ever said, I recognize that I'm a sinful person and I need a Savior, it wasn't because you came to your senses in your own reasoning. That was the Holy Spirit working in you. Isn't that beautiful that for you to actually, if you've not made that confession and you're like, man, I want to experience the nearness of God and the Holy Spirit's prompting you, you're experiencing the nearness of God of saying, I need Jesus. So the Holy Spirit works in you even before you're saved and actually bringing you to salvation. So whenever you made that confession, that salvation was already at work in you. Look at this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. 
If you're sitting here and saying, man, you know, I, I read a couple of books and, you know, I kind of put things together and I was like, finally I came to the conclusion, you know what? Maybe this Jesus guy is all right. Okay? I would doubt your salvation, man. But if you say like, man, you know, I, I read all the books and, you know, I, I thought of all these things, but nothing made sense until one day it was like a, a switch that just flicked in me and, and the Holy Spirit began to convict me of my own sin and my own depravity and my own weakness. And all of a sudden, the gift of God just was given to me the gift of God of saying like, man, woe is me, wretched man, who will save me from this body of death? And the beautiful truth of God said, my blood is sufficient. You know, so um, you're saved by grace through faith, not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. So in your past, salvation was being active. In your present, it's, it continues to be active. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Right? They're like, what an idiot, still believes in a fairy tale God. I'm like, yeah, I know it's foolishness, man. I'll keep praying for you. I'll keep loving you. You know, it's foolishness those are perishing, but for those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For those of us who are being saved, I want you to know this. When you made the confession, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, when you said yes to him, the Holy Spirit was already at work in you, and, and, and the salvation just doesn't end there. It continues to work in you. It's called sanctification, by the way. It continues to work in you. You are being saved. Isn't that beautiful that God just didn't say, okay, you made the confession 20 years ago, just move on to the next guy, right? Like, who, who's, the next, who's the next crazy drug addict that we need to bring in and make him say yes, and then we'll forget him, go to the next guy? No, God is still working in you. You are still being saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm still being saved. Because, man, if I wasn't still being saved, I'd be like, this is it? I mean, we need sanctification, right? Yeah. That's where people get it tattooed on their forearms or something like that, you know? Anyways, yeah. So, no, nah, it's an inside joke. It doesn't, this salvation just doesn't work in your past. It just doesn't work in your present. It also works and continues to work even into your future glorification. It's beautiful. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, that's those whom he knew before. Oh, my God, man. I'm sorry if I take too long in just this breaking this down because you need to get this, my friends. Oh, children of God, you need to get this. When you go out in this world, twisted, crooked world, the lies of the enemy is going to tear you down and you're going to drink from the world of darkness. But you need to know that those whom he foreknew, he knew you before you even said yes to him. He knew you even before you were born. He knew you even before your daddy knew you were going to be born. Even before your mommy took a pregnancy test and be like, oh my gosh, we're having a child. God knew you. And he knew you that you were going to say yes to him. And he loved you. Those whom he foreknew. He also predestined. He said, okay, that crazy brown guy who yells and screams and spits, that dude, I'm calling him to be mine, to be conformed into the, get out of here, to conform into the image of his son in order that he might be the first among many. We spoke about having the mind of Christ. You know, that's been very convicting to me this week as I have gotten irritated or being tempted with sin or given into sin. I was like, gosh, I have the mind of Christ. He knew me before. He chose me. He called me. He saved me. He sanctifies me. He gives me his mind. Come on. Salvation is still at work in me. Why am I behaving this way? It's crazy. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Another good word for that is saved. And those whom he justified or saved, he also glorified. That means in the future, you'll be raised to honor. In the future, you'll be raised in, in, in this such honor that you don't even deserve because you're covered in the blood of Jesus. So your salvation, I hope you're getting this, uh, clean the ears of your heart out. It was working in you before you were saved. It's worked in your past. It's continuing to work in your present. And it will keep on working even until you see him face to face and all the way into eternity. If you remember, we went to the book of Revelation. I said, you know, the Bible says that the, the, the gates of heaven is pearl. 
And Paul is, is, is this, this, this jewel that, that, that comes out of suffering. And even in heaven, you're going to be reminded that you enter the gates because of his suffering. So salvation is such a beautiful thing. And if you're not saved, my God, you're missing out. You need to give your life to Jesus right now. The gospel is always at work in a believer's life. Right from the moment you're saved uh, till the time you breathe your last and even unto eternity. The question, however, is... Pause for a quick drink. The question, however, is... What do you do in between this beautiful salvation that we said yes to that's working in us and until our glorification when we'll see him face to face when there'll be no more temptation when there'll be no more sin when there'll be no more death when there'll be no more tears no more heartbreaks no more lying and cheating and stealing and crooked and wicked world what do we do in the meantime hey listen to me what do you do when temptation comes calling your name knocking on the door of your heart and and in you you fight it you fight it and you fight it and then obedience becomes so hard and then you give into it. What do you do in the meantime? Am I talking to anybody this morning? Because yeah. as believers, as believers, oftentimes we, we don't talk about these things and we don't address these things. We don't look at it face to face and ask ourselves, how do I deal with my salvation? If I'm being saved, what do I do in the meantime between now and my glorification when sin is knocking on my door? I'm living in a cr- wicked, crooked, twisted, dark world and I don't see me shining as light in this dark world. I'm more reflecting the sinful patterns of the world. What do I do? I say I'm saved. I said yes to Jesus. I got baptized. I took communion. I read my Bible. But dear God, what do I do with this? And, and that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Uh, as we go through these few verses in um, Philippians, and it's going to take us a while for us to get to it. So calm down. Speaking of calming down, there are two views on what we do between our salvation and eternity. One view is quietism. Um, I'm sorry if this gets a little heady again, but I want you to get this because oftentimes in modern day Christianity, we fall into certain pockets of cults and we don't realize it because it sounds good, it looks good, it feels good, but it's just Eastern mysticism. Okay? And I'm, I'm telling this to you because I come from that side of the world. Quietism is this. Quietism is, is being very passive. Okay? Uh, it sounds good, and maybe you even subscribe to it in some level. Quietism uh, is just calm acceptance of things as they are without attempts to resist or change them. Temptation comes and, and you just say, I just need to learn to surrender more. And eventually, I will learn to surrender so much that it will be all him and none of me. And temptation will go away and I will never be given to temptation again. You see, I sound like a new age guru. It all sounds good, but it doesn't work. I've tried it. Oh, and temptation comes knocking and calling my name. I'm like, hey, ding, ding, open the door. Come on in. It's been a long time. <laughs> Spiritual passivism will say things like, let go and let God. Ooh, sounds great. Tweet that. I can't, he can. Now don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. There's a time for us to be still and know that he is God. There's a time for us to, to stand and watch the deliverance of the Lord. There's a time for us to be quiet and shut up. There's a time for us to be in solitude. There's a time for that. But quietism um, will say, you know, go into such, you know, that's why I don't like this whole, uh, you know, uh, what's that thing called? Thank God I forgot what it's called. Good. Uh, I hate it that it's coming into church. It's nothing but puja. It's what Hindus do. Light a candle and sit around a candle. I hate that stuff. It's dumb. It's quietism. That's what it is. It's like just, like, just, just get so pensive, just, just so meditative and, and, and temptation will leave you. No, it doesn't. Satan is a roaring lion seeing whom we can devour. And you sit quietly. It's like, good. You know? Just be quiet. I'll just keep eating, eating at you. So look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Now, run doesn't seem like, be still and know that he is God. <laughs> hey, run! Some, some of you guys, sometimes I need to sleep in my running shoes. Right? I'm like, 
Ah, it's coming, run, you know? Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue. Okay, so run and pursue. Now, pursue, I've told you that the Hebrew word for this is radaf. It's like woo, 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 woo. Lights, you know, flashing, sirens wailing, pursuing. What do you have to pursue? Look at this. Pursue righteous living. Pursue faithfulness. Pursue love. Pursue peace. Pursue the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Sorry, I'm spitting on you guys. A lot of P words in there, like pursue. A lot of plosives. Nothing passive about running and pursuing the things that God wants for you. Now, the opposite of that, the opposite of quietism is something called pietism. Okay? Now, now again, I need to go through this with you. You have to understand this. Otherwise, we fall into these crazy pockets of cult and we don't get to experience the true joy of your salvation. Let me give you an example of this, okay? Pietism is the exact opposite of quietism. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses told the people, so Moses led the people from Egypt all the way to the Red Sea. They're stuck between the devil and the deep sea, quite literally. And the people are grumbling and yelling at Moses, like, didn't we not have enough graves in Egypt for us to die with it? Now we're all going to drown over here. And it's like, ah, mute, right? But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just stand still. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Okay, there's, a, there's, a place for us to, <laughs> there's a place for us to be quiet. But then look at verse 15, just two verses down. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Tell the people to get moving. So there's a time for us to be quiet, yes, and to wait on the Lord. But there's a time for us to get moving too. Pietism takes that get moving to a whole new level. You see, both these views are going to be based scripturally, but they overemphasize one thing, okay? We'll get to the, the, the beautiful radical middle over here. The opposite view of quietism is pietism. It's a movement that's strong uh, with the emphasis on Bible study, holy living, practical Christianity, spiritual exercise, and self-discipline. Sounds so great. Sounds so Baptist. I want this. Every time I go into God's presence, I'm going to feel so shame. I'm going to beat myself up and we'll sit down fast till I'm skinny and you know, kill two birds with one stone, right? No. <laughs> their favorite verses, their favorite verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ooh, sounds so great. It's got to be true. Right? But both are flawed. Because the pious, what happens is you rely on your flesh so much to overcome temptation, to overcome sin. And in fact, as I've been praying through this, a lot of, you know, old school Christianity falls into pietism. A lot of modern-day Christianity falls into pietism. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 